0: News and reports on SEO. SEO. It's Mr. SEO, Joe Balestrino. Hi, this is Joe Balestrino, owner and operator of
1: MrSEO.com, and welcome to my podcast. Today I have with me Alan Rabinowitz from uh, SEO Image. How you doing, Alan?
0: I'm doing good. How about yourself?
1: Okay, I'm doing fine. Um, Alan... Um, can you tell us a little bit of, well, before I do that, I mean, this is the first time I've done an interview, so I might butcher it. Um, <laughs> it
0: um,
1: a lot of people know me. From I can, my I can help you
0: butcher it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, you know, the reason why I wanted you to be the first guest is because you and I have a good rapport together. And um, um, I don't want people to confuse you with the other Alan, who is Alan Schneider, who is my partner with Mr. SEO. Um, he's become famous now for doing his Steve Irwin impressions. And um, you know he's kind of gotten known for that, but that's totally different. So I don't want people to confuse him with you. Okay. Um, but you you run and operate uh, SEO Image. Yes. Uh, can you can you tell us a little bit about um, you know your company and you?
0: Okay. Uh, well, I've been doing SEO since 1999. I started doing freelance illustration, uh, and I had amassed uh, some pretty hefty named clients there. Uh, So I brought, it It just became an industry that was going not in the direction I wanted to and kind of accidentally managed to get my way to the term illustration ranked at number three. Uh, So granted, for a single word, keyword, for a term like that, most people in their lifetime would be lucky to try to get there with a lot of work, and I put in a little effort. So I went to this other company. I was being brought in to do some some other kinds of uh, illustration or possibly design work, and I wound up being asked to get them to the top of the search engines. So for certain terms uh, in the photography industry, I brought them into top ten and generally top three for most of these terms where they were outranking some major heavy, you know, heavy-hitting names out there, companies that are monster companies and and have been very easy to find throughout the Internet. And this was a little smaller firm but is well-known and well-established that was blowing these guys away. So I started doing that in the, in the late 90s, uh, and it just kind of turned out to be a full-time gig. And in 2003, uh, I brought all my clients together that I had been either staff for or kind of like part-time for and brought them into SEO Image and started to make that my company and grounded it on 57th Street over in Manhattan uh in a very nice area with you know a, a, a lot of people don't know this about me but I love Starbucks and I think it's it's kind of on purpose because they built the Starbucks box right across the street from my building and right on the corner of my building so I could go across the street or to the left and 200 feet I have two Starbucks and uh and uh, a lot of coffee in case you're wondering if I speak a little quickly uh, I'm fueled
1: <laughs> well I mean in this business I mean uh, most SEOs that I talk to usually work really long hours and uh usually burn the midnight oil uh quite often so uh you know that extra shot of caffeine can can go a long way
0: yes yes
1: um, all right so um let let's get into some of these questions uh, i know you're busy and I, I, when you and i get on the phone we tend to talk for a lot longer than we should
0: um is the only way so, you to do uh, it though. <laughs>
1: Hey, I could talk about this all day, and usually, you know, people get me on the phone and just ask one question, and it'll be an hour later, and I'll, it'll get totally off of something totally different. So, um, I want to try to avoid that. Um, So, I got one question here that I thought would be interesting to hear you answer, since um, I have my own opinions on this, and I just wrote an article about it recently. Um, It's, uh, what is a good, when is a good, when is it a good time to hire an SEO company? Versus an in-house individual, there's there's a lot of companies out there like PayPal, MTV. Um, there's a lot of big corporations that are looking to bring people in in-house. Um, what do you think is like a good um, scenario to have to hire an individual versus hiring a, a company?
0: Well, I've, I've been both. I've been an in-house individual, and now I am an SEO company. You know, I've got a couple of people that work with me, and now we're a company. Prior to that, I was an in-house individual. So I've been in both instances, and I kind of have an understanding of what's involved in each and the amount of work involved in SEO and, and the, the, the amount of experience. The thing about it was that I happened to be pretty good at what I did early on, and I managed to replace people who were in-house SEOs that were not as good. And when I took over those campaigns, there was a dramatic difference in the campaign in a shorter time. Mainly because some people who were doing the SEO weren't bad at it; they just weren't up to, you know, utilizing certain kinds of strategies and techniques that worked efficiently for their competitors. And I utilized and took advantage of everything that everybody did and put that into my clients. So when I was in-house, I would utilize that, and you, you kind of had someone who was very proficient doing the in-house. That's hard to get now. In, in SEO, you know, when you're talking about people who have been doing SEO for night since the 90s as compared to people who are doing it now and have less experience with, you know, certain kinds of campaigns, certain size campaigns, certain types of clients, and the, and the mentalities that you have to manage as well when you're a company. So all those things come into play, and that's the difference in an SEO company, as compared to an individual who is going to be, not looking looking to keep his job, but once he's in the door, he's in the door and he's in there. And he may not be as proficient as someone who's got 10 years of experience behind them and has handled hundreds of different types of SEO campaigns and different types and sizes. So a campaign with hundreds of terms as compared to a campaign with, you know, major terms of importance being three, four, or five. It's a very big difference in campaign scope and when you look at that and the amount of knowledge it takes to kind of understand how it is to get one page to rank trying to get hundreds of page become pages to rank becomes a lot of work so i think that a lot of companies while they're looking to go in the in-house direction May not be getting the qualifications they would get with certain SEO firms. Not all, but some, because there are some SEO firms that no matter what you do, you're not going to get any good results. And then there are some where no matter what you do, you know all their clients are doing great. And that's really what separates a lot of these SEO firms you know so that's that's what it comes down to i think it's really the time to get an SEO company when either you've had in-house people that just haven't been up to par haven't been doing it you're tired of hiring the same people in with the same salaries that's probably even more than what some SEO companies would cost you to do an SEO campaign and not getting the same results as a company that would come in a company like ourselves coming in from the outside, we need to impress you. If we don't show you results in a short time, you're not going to continue with us and, you know, we're looking for that long term campaign. We don't want to bring people in and then three, four, five months later, or six months later they're not happy and they're gone. We want to bring people in who stay for years. And that's kind of the core focus of how we've managed SEO image. One of the things we've done is, you know, our average client's two years old. We don't have young clients. Young clients come in and, you know, we keep them if they take the twelve month campaign if they're looking for three months uh, on a brand new domain you know they're not looking at the right company we're not the right company for them right I, so I know
1: there's a lot of there's a lot of companies out there that will won't take on a project short term if it's an if it's a new domain they they'll just just automatically turn it down right um i I think a lot of companies will do that because um, you know, with all the factors that you need to rank, you know, starting from scratch is, is usually not, uh, Well, know. it's
0: harder to manage the client in those kind of campaigns. And, and most of the time when I get them, I mean, we're, we're straight with them right on the first phone call. We're telling them about the Google Sandbox effect. You know, I put a post more recently on our blog about that so I could direct them there and tell them to read it. And I tell them to go to Google, type in Google Sandbox, and look at what people talk about. Anyone telling you three months for a site in the Google Sandbox is, is full of it. You know, it's just not going to happen in three months. I mean, maybe six or nine is has a potential to move up, but you know, three months, it's not going to happen. So. Right.
1: Yeah, I think we I think we all know that, which is why I try to push people to you know, sometimes you have to just invest the money in getting a domain that's already existing. Um, you know, and I've gotten into debates with people that sell domains, which is another long story. How. Um, You know, you have to get the domain before it expires. You don't want to wait until it expires and then try to claim it because it's, it's just going to be like starting from scratch.
0: Well those are the old tricks that were used in like 2004 there were a lot of people that were really big into that it became a big frenzy and people trying to go out there find the, the you know that's when all these domain snap companies came out and they were you know trying to beat everyone to the punch of getting that domain first when they would expire and that was back in the day prior to the pay, the page rank being uh, and the rankings being you know diminished when a site would expire, so there were sites that were out there in two thousand and four people were buying them or two thousand and three two thousand and four people were buying them right up pending delete to avoid the Google sandbox as well and to recycle traffic so there are two reasons back then people were doing it. Some of them were looking at it from the search perspective of putting up those you know fifty million search landing pages that have all these kind of paid advertising links from every search engine in the world out there on there. And those guys were looking to recycle the traffic. A lot of people, you know, like you mentioned, have been looking today to try to get that domain before it hits that pending delete stage, before it deletes. You know, once a domain deletes, it's dead by Google and goes back into a sandbox. Or We're not, we're not 100% sure what they do. But most of the time there's some kind of, you know, effect that's been put on a domain that's deleted. Which is is not a, not always a good thing because you could get to a delay a domain two years later that's been deleted and has some kind of penalty put on it because of that and it'll never go anywhere until you contact Google and submit a re-inclusion for buying a domain that someone used to own two years prior to you. You know, there's no definitive answer. That's 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 Google has that, at least that I've found that Google has stated on on these domains and when is a good time to buy it because some domains you get because you want the domain and you're doing something right and you're not buying something because it's off someone's uh, you know to try to to try to beat that you know age factor. The age factor is one thing. It falls into the gray area of SEO, though. You know, it goes into gray being, you know, is this a legitimate practice to take a domain that was used for something else and try to recycle it before it expires and take advantage of age factors. Now, today, someone showed me proof of the fact that age is not necessarily the exact answer. And I saw a site that uh, for some one of the most competitive terms in the world, which is a term, uh, let's say, for instance, it's called web hosting. And someone goes out there and decides to buy a bunch of links in a place that, and, and in a way that manages to accumulate into hundreds of, you know, tens of thousands of links in a short period of time, and puts a. a, a, a I would say it's a six-month-old domain into a, a top spot for terms that competitive in that time. So that tells you one thing: that a, maybe there is no Google Sandbox and maybe there are no time factors on there, or b, certain kinds of links from certain kinds of sites, and this was using blogs, get more power to them and are considered better. Why? We don't know. We know Google are, the Googlers are a bunch of bloggers and they love blogs and blog links to them are are better than company links because you know in their world. Bloggers and companies are different kinds of people, and maybe there's more power to bloggers because they're online more often and more frequently than a company who has more of a, of a static site and may have a, a, set, a blog section of their site or a separate website with a blog. So these are all factors that we have to look at from the SEO kind of SEO conspiracy theory point. You know, does Google just hate corporate sites and love bloggers? You know or or are you know is everybody getting their fair share and fair shake here? Has too much spam been put onto these you know more static of sites as compared to the blogs? Well, you know, this becomes terminology. Terminology of calling something a blog role is allowing you to legally in the eyes of the search engines use black hat techniques and interlink hundreds of websites and your friends' websites and do what we call, you know, I call it blog handshaking. It's kind of like a friendship thing. You reach out to all your friends in a blog roll and they reach out to you. So now you've got reciprocal site wide links on blogs. And that has a factor in helping certain sites rank as well today. I see a lot of bloggers that are out there that I wouldn't necessarily call, you know, the best SEO people in the world, but they're knowledgeable people, and they write very interesting articles about a lot of concepts, and they're all over the place because of the blog handshaking. Now, that blog roll with all those links, call it, you know, a, uh, a link section on someone's website, and that's spam. Now you're interlinking a bunch of websites together that are corporate or aren't really right and now it's spam. But we call it a blog roll, and it's okay, it's acceptable. You know, go to some of these big blogs and look at how many links they link off to. I mean, it's a mess of them. It's it's even ugly looking in appearance, but it's acceptable, and that's what factors into certain sites doing well in shorter periods of time, oh, having well, links. Cool. I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: Uh, well, now I want to go back just a little bit to where you were talking about. Um, we, we were discussing um, the age factor and getting a domain before it expires. Now you know I've read some things on the internet that said that um, go, uh, Google might be able to tell. There's they, they, like, like a double edge here. The Google might be able to tell when a business changes hands, and that if it changes hands, that it might have you know an, a, almost the same effect as um, you know it expiring. But on the other hand some people say well if it's if it's like buying a business if you bought a storefront and you know you bought the company from the owner you get the inventory and everything so technically you should be okay but on the other hand some people are saying well if um you know if, if you switch it switches ownership that th- they might you know penalize you against that you know penalize you know put that against you because you the, the ownership has changed hands so do you think there's any like you know any you know, truth to that.
0: Well, I think Google does query whois information. I think they do query, and I think domain tools formerly whois source uh, or sc. I, I always call it source because that's what they called it. But they have they 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 archive whois data. And I think Google does the same thing. And one of the things that Google doesn't take into account is the fact that every year, uh, uh, what is it? Aaron will send an email to all uh, um, all domainers and telling them that they need to update their whois information and make sure it's accurate. Suppose you move your company or you change your company name. So, for instance, one day your company is an LLC, the other day you try to incorporate your company, and then all of a sudden Google thinks you've changed and it's a new company or someone sold it. Well, that's not necessarily true. What if you move your address and you update your Whois information to your new address? I warn people, if you move your address, it might be cautious to consider not doing that because what if Google thinks that someone else owns the site and it wipes you out based on Whois data? Personally, it'd be ridiculous for them to consider that kind of information as as something worth making a decision so much as to put a website back into, uh, you know, give it the sandbox effect or penalize it in any way, shape or form because who is information has changed. But there's evidence that suggests that Google is querying uh, who is information and using some something in it. We don't know what, but considering something. You know, if a, if a company name was used to be an individual and then they put a company in there, who knows what they're going to consider doing. You know, that, that's a, it's a really unknown, and no, I don't think there's any definitive answer to that question, but I think, there, you know, if you, if you think about it, there's, there's a very high potential that at some point in time they may have considered it or even done it. You know, you're in a day and age where stuff that be, penalized sites a, a year ago and still has sites penalized no longer penalizes them anymore, and now it's actually acceptable. So you got link baiting which guys that were were doing link baiting for years and one of them was well known for ranking for a term that was extremely competitive called SEO and one of them ranked very well, got to page one, and then Google decided to ban him. And this was someone who went out of his way to help people and used helping people as a link-baiting methodology. Hey, I help you, you give me a link. Boom. So someone helps them get a the link. That's a great link-baiting methodology. Use that today. It's acceptable. Used a year and a half ago or two years ago, it may not have been. It might have fell into the gray area then. So we kind of fall into a lot of kind times when things change and the question is what do you do you know do you leave well enough alone if you're ranking okay and and or do you consider worrying about something that you've had for for years may come back to haunt you because when you did it it was acceptable but today it's not so there's a lot of gray areas like that so there's a lot of you know things that you just can't have definitive answers to because there's so many ifs involved and well, we the only what thing about
1: we can, oh sorry I can That's okay go ahead. You off now what do you think about um so you know changing you know so there's a possibility that maybe if you change a company name that you know Google might be looking at that uh, what now I, I believe this i don't I don't know how many people do, so I'm gonna throw this out there you know do you think the length of how long you register your site merits you know you know a ranking factor in Google?
0: No, I don't think it does. I mean, a lot of the uh, – they look at it because companies that were big-name corporate companies like monster companies in the New York, Wall Street area will, will go like, like that. A lot of those companies, when they would go out and buy domains, because a lot of them – a lot of their guys would forget to renew it. So here you've got companies, uh, you know, monster corporations known down in Wall Street for managing and handling billions or millions and billions of dollars per year that the guy who's supposed to re-register their domain forgets to re-register it. So that's the reason some some of these corporations would buy it for 10 years right off the bat. And also because to them, 10 years, you know, I mean, what are they looking at? They're not looking at a huge amount of money. Uh, you know, $100 or sometimes, give or take, you know, here or there, depending on who's your registrar is, uh, it's not a huge amount of money for these companies, and it makes sense that, that if that's the most time you could take it out for, you'd take it out for that time so nobody loses it. At least you've got 10 safe years that no one's going to screw up and forget to renew that domain, and then here's your company with no website. <laughs> well, know? I
1: mean, the, the, those same guys, the same guys that do the, um, you know, that are registered in their domain, uh, most of them don't know either to um, to get a dedicated IP. Um so i mean you know if if they're 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 you know do you think that's a problem as well i mean it-
0: if, no, if I don't think the dedicated IP makes any difference anymore. I think it used to in the past, but I think the problem a lot of what people are looking for with the with the IPs is making sure they don't have uh I read this recently about what we call they call bogons, which is when is IP is never actually registered. It's like a private IP address and someone puts a website on it. It does cause issues with the site and it mean the site may never rank something to do with that IP to do with that IP. We've also seen situations where moving a website from one host to another host has changed their rankings dramatically overnight. And then we've seen some where it didn't make a difference. So there are are times where we just can't figure out exactly what it is, but sometimes moving sites from either a non-dedicated environment to a dedicated environment has made a difference, but other times it hasn't. But I've had clients that have not been dedicated that rank in the top three for their search terms or in top ten for extremely competitive terms. So I don't believe that it makes a difference. I used to believe that, but the more I've experienced a lot of sites – the, you know, dedicated or not dedicated, it doesn't seem to make much of a difference to me. I've also, at some points in time, got really extremely SEO paranoid and felt that if you were on the same IP address as someone else with the same service, that that could be seen as to the same company owning that, and that company, and and then both sites would be banned because it would be someone with more than one website, which, you know, granted, I think Google lets you, most companies today, get away with a couple of websites, you know, unless you're excessive and have 100 or more. I think that... um, You know, that was one situation that we did see. But
1: what about um, interlinking? Like, say, let's say I had four sites that were on the same IP address and they were all linked to each other. Would that have any negative effect?
0: Four sites on the same IP address that were interlinked together, would it have a negative effect? I would think so. Yes. So in that case, it would pay to have a dedicated IP. However, if you're still on that dedicated IP and you have those four sites on your own dedicated IP, you're giving yourself away just as well right there, that you're interlinking your network some in Some companies can get away with interlinking networks. The larger you are the more app, the more capable of it being overlooked when someone looks at it. A legitimate kind of company or a company that 's considered more legitimate because it 's a well household name or a very big known name online uh you know and they have like you know a site about apartments, a site about cars, a site about careers you know who i 'm talking about right away that kind of interlinked network network is is okay, but you know Joe Schmo doing it or an SEO person doing that same kind of thing may not be okay. Why? Because the intentions of one person may be different from another, and that's what they're trying to trying to look into. If things seem hidden, I read somewhere in one of Matt Cutts' posts that he could never figure out why some people will always, who is privacy, a second domain, but keep one domain registered public. Well, maybe people don't want to be contacted for the second or third domain, or personally feel that it's not developed under a person or a company, but don't feel it's appropriate to have out there maybe there's a bunch of different reasons, but that's not important the reason it being private the reason it's private. They don't, they don't have really want to get involved in. That doesn't really matter. What matters is, well, maybe there's, maybe there's some trickery going on because it's private. So if you have private registrations and you're interlinking a bunch of sites and you're interlinking a bunch of IPs, you're, you're asking for a lot of trouble right then and there. I mean, I had someone recently tell me that he owns 600 domains and he's a, you know, a marketing firm uh what's the what what is that gonna what does that say you know it's a it's a it's an old black hat approach to s e o it's not something that you should be utilized today does it work the more I look around Google lately, the more I see black hat working much more effectively now than it has in a long time. I see the gray area still working as effectively too, but the closer you get to being a white hat, like completely real white hat, which I don 't believe that term even exists, and we 're not witches we're a bunch of people that just do this as a profession. you know well way they came out with these hats doesn't make any sense to me, and it kind of makes me nuts you know because everyone pictures it as witch hat, you know, and you and me we're picturing as what Yankee caps. <laughs> or, you know, helmet, headgear protection, in case I'm going to jump off the uh, cliff from trying to think about how many hats people have or what color it We <laughs> All
1: right. We've talked – everything we're talking about, we're talking about Google. Um, but we're, we're – what about – I mean, should we – I mean, I, I've talked to clients. that have clients that, you know, they freak out all oh, – you know, um, I jump from Google and, and they'll freak out and I'll just say, you know, just sit and wait. You still have page rank. Just wait and you now – Two, three weeks come around, they're back up again, and they're doing fine. But for those people that don't do fine, and they're, you know, inadvertently banned, they've done something wrong, or they don't know what it is, or, Google you know, Google decided one of their filters, you know, this site's getting zapped. You know, should we worry... I know. I think a report came out the other day that said Google has you know over 60% of the market. Should everybody be focusing just on Google? I mean, it, it, should we focus on Yahoo and MSN, or should we not care and just write everything on Google? I mean, if we did lose sight of Google, if one of our sites disappeared off of Google, like this client I was talking with, they freaked out because all their business came from Google because they weren't optimized for Yahoo. Um, so, I mean, do you, do you think it's wise to, you know, throw everything at Google or, sh- or should we be, you know, should companies be worried about, well, I need to also worry about Yahoo and, you know, to some extent MSN?
0: Well, you know, a good campaign worries about everything. Uh, you have to take it from a, a logical perspective, though. If one search engine is gaining 60 to 70% of all online searches and the other two combined don't make up half of that, well, where should the focus really be? It should obviously be on the one that's getting all the traffic and secondary to the other and tertiary to the others by the percentage of traffic they bring in. So if you're hitting Google and you hit one of the other two, you're already looking at, what, close to 80% of all online traffic. That's, That's a phenomenal number. When you're actually listen, looking at less than that because you're also not we, we have to calculate in that a percentage of that traffic is actually paid search so you minus off another thirty to forty percent you're still in that kind of percentile of still being higher there now you know when you put those things together it only makes sense that one should be your main focus and the other two should absolutely be secondary to forget them or ignore them altogether it's just, that's just idiotic to begin with, because there's a lot of traffic coming. Tra- I mean, what, even, even though these search engines get 20% of, of, of the searches, well, how much is 20% of those searches? You know, that's a hell of a lot more traffic than your website may ever see, than most average websites may ever see in their lifetime. So these guys are getting in a day. So think about it from that, that 20% is nothing to sneeze at. And these are sites, people love these other sites. People who go there actually love them. Some of them get a ton of traffic. They have other features that people are on their sites for, and they'll do searches from them. What we're looking at now is the fact that some of these social sites are starting to get a lot of this traffic and becoming pretty powerful. What happens when sites like Dig, Delicious, and MySpace focus in and, and use a different or a new third or, or an upcoming search engine or make a deal with one of these companies like Yahoo or MSN uh and all of a sudden everything's powered by that. I mean obviously we've seen some stuff of companies buying other companies for reasons of wanting to maintain control of a of search on something like Myspace. So, you know, oh, we you could know, only... I, I've so, I've go done
1: ahead. some sorry. Um I've done some experimentation with um social bookmarking and it's and it's funny, you know, social bookmarking brings me more traffic than than Google because like stumble upon is 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 my top referrer right now for bringing me traffic and Google is now down to third. Um,
0: but here's but the difference, though. The reason I think social marketing and social media marketing, and a lot of these guys are very gung-ho, and I did a little blog post about this, and, and my opinion is that there's there's two different types of traffic. One is people just kind of browsing around that are just looking at stuff, and, yeah, they may have an interest in you, but it doesn't mean they're coming to your site when they find you from StumbleUpon to hire you or buy your product or service. Right, when they yeah. look for you in a search engine, the, I believe that these people are more focused upon an answer to a question. When they find you from Dig or something, else like that they're coming across you on their own so it's two different mentalities of the mind of the of, of the searcher or the person online so i don't feel that social media marketing brings in the right kind of qualified traffic or convert high converting traffic that a search engine may and even a pay per click ad brings in a higher converter people who are clicking on those paid links generally if they're clicking it from like from a search engine i found that those People are high converters, and that's why Paperclip becomes a very good campaign for a lot of companies now. And it's something that should not be overlooked. I mean, there's, naturally, there's only ten places that anybody could be that are getting traffic, and of those ten, the top five or six are really getting a good percentage of traffic. The rest are just you know happy to be on page one, but they're still you know gaining traffic. But they're still it's it's a dramatic difference. It's huge. So, you know, all that you know being said. You could kind of common sense a lot of these things out about what should be your approach when you 're marketing, what should be the type of campaign, what should be the type of traffic you go after if you go after the right kind of traffic, you can have the right kind of return. Getting traffic from social media does not mean you 're going to have fifty million people hammering com- down, filling out your contact forms or calling up you calling you up on the phone. Getting traffic from portals related to what you 're doing that may bring traffic from other places that are geared towards looking for certain types of things that is a high converting place and that's where it's worth advertising and you know i have always been upset with google with certain kinds of advertising because certain kinds of advertising work we know text links work people click text links there's been some controversy i think more recently banner ads are starting to gain a little bit more priority in traffic now because people are getting sick of text links and i think it's we're kind of seeing a reverse of what we saw in the nineties and early two thousands where banners people would ignore them i think banners people are starting to look at depending on how they're placed throughout a site You know, those ones up top, everybody always ignores the ones up top. But when you start to put them in the sidebar and you put a little power to them, and a lot of blogs were starting to see they put those nice little squares up top, and they start to become powerful places of positioning that do pass traffic. Now, my opinion for being upset was because I felt that certain certain site so, you know, certain kinds of advertising are actually penalized and they actually penalize sites because they're utilizing something uh that's not either their own or they're utilizing something that is not con- that's considered being done for certain reasons rather than looking at it from a perspective of maybe this guy's buying traffic and maybe he's not buying you know, trying to buy himself into PageRank, maybe he's trying to buy himself traffic, and maybe the fact that the benefit of PageRank is being there is some other consideration. Obviously, of course, we'd have to say it was, but mainly traffic. You know, we stop ads when we see five referrers per month. It's ridiculous. If I'm paying $200 and you're sending me five people per month, you know, and they're they're not converting people, you know, no one's telling me they came from your site and they're converting, you're gone. We're not going to continue that kind of an ad. But if we're paying a couple hundred bucks per month on your site, whether it be a banner or a text link, and we're seeing 30 to 40 to 50 people coming through per month, and we're getting contacts from people and they're mentioning that they they came from that site, obviously we're going to continue that ad. So we have to kind of look at things from certain perspectives, which is why we see a lot of shifts in certain types of advertising. The only thing I do avoid is the 302 redirect advertising, which is generally tracked because I feel 302s hijack websites, and I think that there's been a lot of problems with certain kinds of advertising that have actually hurt websites, and I think some cases might be hurt them permanently, even from 302 hijacks or 302 redirects. It's a bad redirect to use and sometimes causes a lot of errors if search engines can't you know they, if they fumble on it
1: right right and and uh, you had mentioned something that was going to be one of my questions talking about buying links and I you know I work with some clients that are interested in buying links and you know I, I'm like you I have the mindset where if you're going to buy links don't buy them for the PR I mean it's nice to have a link and have your anchor text in there and, and send them to the right page and all that but you know, I tell them you need to track it because if you don't track and you don't know what you're getting out of it, you know, because even if you, if you, even if you did find a site that wasn't being tracked and you did pay, you know, buy it for you know, page rank reasons, you know, if you did buy it for PageRank reasons, once you stop paying for that ad, unless you bought an ad that's indefinite, once you stop paying for it, you're gonna, it's gonna go away. <laughs> um, so I always tell people if you're gonna buy something, to make sure it's relevant to what you do. And, and a lot of people get roped into buying ads that are on the bottom of a page in a footer where, you know, you usually want to buy, an, you know, a link that's higher up on the page that people are actually going to see and click on. Um, so so my, I guess my question to you is uh, what, how do you feel or where do you stand on, on you know, when, when's a good time to buy a link, when's a good time not to buy a link, and, and what's the reason? I guess you kind of answered that already, what the reason is on when you should buy it. And you, you, as you stated, you said you should buy it for, you know, traffic reasons.
0: Well, definitely. Well, now we're in an age where there's a lot of reasons to buy it. So you want to buy it because it has regional factors. So you've got a site that ranks in the wrong region. You need to try to correct that. You want to buy a site on any site related to that region that you want to get into. So if you're trying to capture a specific state or a specific country, you want to try to pile up a certain kind of kind of links. Then it's okay to buy advertising no matter where you get it. You're going to be needing it. But you want to get it in the right spots in powerful sites. There are some times where you buy ads and those ads start to rank people type in certain keywords and boom page one here's an ad that I have out on page one for a term that I don't rank in naturally so people going to that clicking through it and clicking on the ad which is kind of sometimes a directory listing even ranking on page one for some competitive terms because it's a very powerful site why wouldn't you take advantage of that so that's one time to consider buying advertising another time is because the site ranks for you know you get a site that ranks for web design and on page one of google who wouldn't want to be on that as a web designer it makes perfect sense that there could be a lot of traffic passing sometimes there's no availabilities for certain types of links so you take whatever you can get some links may pass on some links don't then you look at your refers and you make a decision on whether you want to keep that ad if it's worth continuing with buying ads solely for page rank it's it's gray hat approach does it work absolutely works absolutely to this day i could show you some high-powered text links from high-powered sites and we're not talking little mom-and-pop shops we're talking about some of the big big shops that are currently dominating the searches for many types of products so and these guys are all one hundred percent completely buying text links or Secondary is the affiliate links, but using direct links in the affiliates or paying people to post their links to make it look like it's an affiliate set, but it's really a text ad, a bunch of text ads mixed in. So we're seeing a lot of times where we're starting to see ads like that, buying certain kinds of ads. Like, look like what I said. You got it. You buy an ad and it rank, starts to rank. That's one of the things that. Um, that uh, some people were talking about and discussing. Uh, I know Jim, Jim uh, over at Webuild Pages always, has always been the big believer in the pre sell pages, and he's had a small following on that. And, and they do sometimes rank those pages. They'll come in as an article, and that page will rank, and there's power. People get to that page, they read it, and they click onto you. I've had people contact me and hire me because they read an article that I syndicated so i went out i wrote an article i syndicated it in a few places people picked it up and it started syndicating on its own and someone called me up told me they read my article and i was con- doing, doing a consulting job for them within the next day so okay.
1: I'm, you know, I'm a big advocate of using articles but using them you know yes. you can't put out crap because if you put out crap you get crap but if you put out good quality work i mean i've gotten interviews and like you said i've gotten jobs this basically based on the on the stuff that i put out so you know if you put out some good stuff um, you know, it, it comes back tenfold, especially if it's informative. You know, some people I've talked to a lot of people in, in, in this industry and in business in general, and some people frown on the fact that giving away free information, but sometimes for giving out free information is, is sometimes what gets you the paid work.
0: Right. Well, I've always considered you like the article master.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when, when, we... when I started my business, I'd, I'd work until four o'clock in the morning, cranking out an article, and then you know, have have my partner Alan, you know, edit it, and 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 he'd explain to me how I, I you know, and people see it on my. Uh, I'm not going to try to hide the fact that I I I can't, uh, I'm not really that great with punctuation, and I, I get mixed up to work the difference between then and then. <laughs> but that's why I have him, you know. So you know, yeah, you, definitely I, I to, would...
0: uh, you definitely have to edit what you write. You could you could be regretting it if you don't.
1: Know there, yeah, there are people well, who
0: go out there and and will actually neg you if you if you your English is bad. And a lot of people I know, I know some people that if they read your home page and didn't and you had one grammatical error, they'd go on to the next company. So, well, yeah,
1: and 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 you know, it's important, especially for image. I mean, I I'm looking here in my office. I have a couple articles hanging up on the wall from magazines that I've that I've put out, and I think that that says something. Um, you know, if you can get published, whether it's on you know it's on uh, I forget what the website is, ISEB or something like that, or you know, in in a trade publication. Um, it, it says a lot for who you are, and, and it, it gives you, you know, uh, a certain level of, of credibility. Um, so, I mean, to, to me, it's, it's, it's important. I always tell people, depending on what kind of industry they're in, even if they have no budget. I mean, for the first two years I ran my business, I never pay, once paid for any form of advertising. They paid for a link, never paid for an ad anywhere. And, and I did everything solely on the podcast, solely on, on the articles that I did, and, and that's how I made my business. Right. Um, so, I mean, it, it can be done. It just, you know, it just depends on the quality of work. And if you're like me and you can't write, you don't know which way is up. Um, it, you know, it pays to pay someone to do it. You know, to edit it for you. So, you, you know, like you said, you don't look like um, you can't speak English.
0: Right. And that's, that's, that's a good thing. That's why, unfortunately, a lot of companies that don't speak English do plagiarize a lot of content, too, and then you cause duplicate issues because if you're in another world where your native language is not English and you have a very well-written site, you've either, A, hired a copywriter or, B, stole the, stolen the content which, you know, in some industries, very in the SEO industry, it's extremely common. I can't tell you how many, how many SEO firms there are there that are outside, even in the United States, that will take and plagiarize and infringe on uh, a good percentage of, you know, a lot of text-heavy SEO sites that are out there. You know, now that sites are more blog-oriented, it's a lot harder to do, and the content's not always that great, and then you see the articles get stolen, and then they take the content on your website, and then they syndicate it in an article, so now you have other issues that we address that no one talks about these are some of the things people just don't talk about but you know if you think about it from a black hat perspective if you were trying to take a competitor out and you decided to syndicate his website through a bunch of different websites online and then you decided to also uh, syndicate it in an article and then syndicate it in job portal sites and then you know you made it so it, it, it's you know you spent uh, a lot a couple of weeks doing the syndication and it takes forever to clean up